Hey Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new special Geekscape special. This one is going to be all about Thor Ragnarok. So if you haven't seen Thor Ragnarok, there are going to be tons of spoilers ahead. As usual, I'm joined by Ian Kerner here, um, sitting in his uh, lovely condo with stacks and stacks of comics and his Blu-ray collection and his Green Lantern <laughs> battery. And uh, this is a well, You don't usually paradise. describe the surroundings. I don't. Well, we we don't do it on video anymore, we've, so now we've you have to tell here, people what it is. We've been here so, you know, I've been here so many times that uh, the Geekscapists just need to uh, have a context to, uh, to where I'm at. Like, visualize, if you can, my friends. The ultimate man cave that is no cave at all, but the entirety of the condo. Everywhere I look, there is uh, geek stuff, and it's and it's awesome, but it's still functional, and you could still bring a girl here. She would, if she made one too many comments, though, you'd have to toss her. All right, that is where we're at. We're gonna be talking Thor Ragnarok in a bit. Um, this is Geekscape again. If you haven't watched Thor Ragnarok, get out there. I loved it. And there's going to be tons of spoilers coming, so be ready for that. Ian, before we get into Thor Ragnarok, we got to talk about the big surprise of the weekend. I don't. It was a surprise to me. Was it a surprise to you? I was very surprised about Ben, <laughs> ben just leaving Marvel for DC. <laughs> the Ben just leaving Marvel to, to DC, for DC was uh, a surprise. I wonder how much more real estate he had at Marvel than he could. I mean, he'd written everything. That's kind of the he'd point. He'd written X-Men, yeah. he'd written Avengers, he'd written he, he everything. Played with, he played with all the toys, he's played ready. All the toys, but Marvel's first family, mm-hmm. as I recall. I don't he, think he, he ever had a, a run, but obviously there he were He wrote them about, yeah. about a full run, yeah. Um, and now he's headed to DC to write their big guns. Intrigued? Yes. Uh, do I have the same emotional connection with those characters that I do with uh, Marvel? Um, not as much. I'm definitely more of a Marvel person, but the, DC is absolutely capable of some amazing stories. I absolutely missed the train on uh, Mr. Miracle, and I'm kicking myself because Book I should. I know, and I'm hearing its legendary status, and I should have just trusted yeah. in King. I told you. I said right away. I, I, I let Ian, you guys you tell know. me to read so much. I don't. It's yes, not you true. do. Yes, you do. You tell me to read everything, like you. I tell you to read some some image books every now and then. I never really harp on you about Marvel and DC stuff. Occasionally I say a couple of books are good. That's about it. This book, I said, for all the hoopla about the Kirby stuff, I said it was the truest vision of like such a great homage to Kirby, that book. He's pointing at me. He's yelling at me. And we will get to homages to Kirby when we talk to Thor Ragnarok. When we get to Thor Ragnarok, we will talk homages to Kirby because that movie is a beautiful multi- uh, colored love letter to the man. Uh, I loved that aspect to it. But no, the, the the piece of surprise that I'm talking about as I adjust my microphone, the big surprise I was talking about is that Disney had been having secret talks with Fox to mm-hmm. acquire 20th Century. And you've got to think that the whole point of it is that they have a focus on the X-Men Fantastic Four franchises and Marvel. I don't I, know. I mean, no, look, look, look. Talk that, to me. That, that, that's, that's a simplistic view. The deal that they're talking is worth so much more money, way too much money to think it's only about that. I know. Of course. Not, of course. It, as a fanboy, and so interesting to see people talk about it, because there's literally so many things about a deal like that that should be scary, and I think... As the true fanboy I am, I don't care. I just want right. Marvel over 
you know, you, all the Marvel we, properties We can care together. less about so, the monopolization what, yeah, whatever. of corporate. Monopolize whatever, but the Fantastic Four and the X-Men are going to be with the other Marvel characters. Great. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we're, gonna have, we're all going to have our messages coming from three corporations pretty soon. Right. But fuck it. Our media can be controlled. Uh, and we get all of our information from Facebook in Russia anyway. So That's who right. cares? I, I, I get to see, I'll get to see Wolverine and Spider-Man together. I don't care about the rest. <laughs> you know? Yeah, Marvel's First Family actually has a chance to actually... Oh, uh, before actually work? Actually appear on a big screen in a fashion right. that is not embarrassing? Let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, where where are your thoughts uh, beyond that? Because obviously, uh, what I, the other thing I thought about was acquiring that. You know, obviously they already have distribution of the Star Wars films from mm-hmm. Lucasfilm, but now we will never see those versions of Star Wars with the 20th Century Fox logo on them. You know that we have on VHS, right? And I was like, oh, so now that that is clean forever. Now it is all under Disney. The history of it, and you got to think about 20th century's huge back catalog. Well, well, well you don't you, know you don't mean? know what, what that purchase would look like. I mean, because you said something very specific about, about that logo, and yeah. you know they can acquire it and still keep certain things. You know, I mean, they have they'll have rights and ability to cross over characters. It doesn't mean they don't have a 20th logo on it. Who knows? Right. Probably not because that is a Disney thing. It's not going to be going back to 20th. We're never going to see what we remember as kids. Which was exactly that. We would all, because we went to see Star Wars so many times that to us, the 20th logo actually meant like right after you were going to see it a long time ago. No. Like actually far, far away. The, every, like you time, it. every time you see the 20th century logo, I, at least I do, uh, when you hear that, like the drums and this and that, you're like, yeah, you're like, the fanfare, you're like, okay. Yeah. I you expect Star it to Wars. blend right into da na na na. Yeah. And, it, and then it doesn't happen because that's because we all. At our age, it was like you went, you watched Star Wars like thirty-five times. Mm-hmm. I remember one summer, probably the summer before my freshman year in high school. My friend Andy Dirks and I watched Star Wars so many times that we had the R two D two beeps and the Chewbacca stuff just down. Mm-hmm. We weren't fun to watch Star Wars with anymore. Yeah. And I remember freshman year, we watched Star Wars with a group of people, and that was ninety-four. So it wasn't a dead period. Like people did not watch Star Wars. It was definitely a few years before those right. special editions. And so and so it just people hated us because we're doing the R two D two beeps as they're coming, and they're like, "What the Dude, fuck is wrong I, with you, nerds?" I get. I'm a little older than you, so you may not appreciate this reference. But for me, like having you know VHSs wasn't actually common when Star Wars first came out. I had an audio cassette. That was the whole movie on audio. Oh, no. Okay? This Without pre- narration? It was just the movie. It was just the movie on yeah. audio. No narration? On audio, yeah. And I, like, I would listen to the movie. That, that's, that's, what, that's what existed like in 1978. Holy shit. I barely existed in 1978. I right. Was, I was only there for one more month of it. That's what I'm, I'm telling you, is you weren't around yet. That's, that's what it went back to. So, just, so I'm laughing. You're talking about the sounds and knowing the sounds. Like, yeah, me too. I would listen all to had. it all the time. You have to understand. Back then, until you, I don't know if you know this. Like, there was a re-release of Star Wars. It was out. It was out of the theaters. It was re-released. Yeah. There was no way to see it in between then. Yeah, no. That's when my that's when my father took me to see it. Right. It was it was early '80s. No, no, no. I'm no, talking no, no. about before Empire. Oh, it was released. Oh. That I it, did not know. It then was out of theaters. Then it, they brought it back again. Yeah, no. And it was a big deal. So no. you, you went as a kid. Literally, you go and you, we would watch it again and again and again in the theater because there was no other way to see the movie. Right. 
<laughs> it wasn't out on video. There was no video. Right. That didn't exist yet. That was later. <laughs> That's awesome. And I love that we're talking about Star Wars. Because, again, and I agree with you, the, the whole idea of these major media conglomerations like joining forces and becoming the only way that we get our messages is absolutely alarming. The monopolistic nature of it is very alarming. We all want to see Marvel being unified in all this. Um, Namor will still be stuck at Universal. Uh, Universal Doing nothing. Yeah, Universal will still have the, uh, the rights to The Incredible Hulk. Um, Which now mean nothing yeah, because of yeah. this movie. Which now means nothing because the only the only story that we wanted to have left to be right. told was Planet Hulk. Uh, okay, so let's get into it. And I love that we talked about Star Wars because this, in a lot of ways, has some amazing Star Wars science well, fiction in well, it. Well, well, How do you well want to let's start just this? say that you know with the second Thor movie, they made an interesting decision. They fully embraced the oh, there's Guardians of Aliens. It's not even you know there was always this idea which. was Sort of like this quasi Tony Stark, Doctor Strange notion. What are the Asgardians? They're extra dimensional aliens, right? Sure. Yeah. You know, and what what is it about? What is it? Is it magic? No, not exactly. It's maybe a different kind of technology, kind of thing. Right. So with with the Marvel universe prior to Doctor Strange, without really they hadn't fully embraced the notion of magic. So with Thor, it's like they're aliens, and it sort of bugged me a little bit in, in Thor: The Dark Realm. Well, you're fully, you're full on so spacious. The dark world or dark world? A dark world, excuse dark me. World. And, and um, the, well, there's a lot that bothers me in the dark but, world. But, but my, my point is that, like, when you actually have, like, laser cannons, you know, mm-hmm. in Asgard, I was like, all right, they're just embracing, it's sci-fi. Yeah. You know? And, and there and, were spaceship battles in the dark world as well. Yeah. And, uh, but I also did love that there were elves and there was some fantastical element to the dark world. Um... It's there just, were so many parts but, of that movie again, that were and, and, and it's established close, it, but it was it's established tepid. more so here. That it, there is a singular vision that that it's just different worlds. It's just aliens, right? Right. It's not magical. It's not you know they they basically establish it in the first Thor movie that the notion of Yggdrasil is there's just a group of worlds that happen to be interconnected by this notion of this world tree, but even in this movie, you, you fall off the Bifrost and you end up on an alien planet. It's just a, a way, you know, they talk about, you know... So it's the major, the it's the major cities on a, on a freeway, almost. Yes, pretty much, exactly. Uh, um, but there's a tiered system, I believe, mm-hmm. because uh, in the second movie, they're also falling through realms. So it's not... In a, they're realms. Well, they're they seen, call them realms, but they're planets. It's, again, it's firmly established in this movie, too. Asgard's a planet. Right. That's what it is. It's just... It's aliens. It's just different planets. They just happen to be interconnected by Drassel as as there's a shortcut within these. The, those those particular ones are interconnected. So as Hella references in this, all right, they dominated those. She wanted to keep going, right? So I'm getting a little bit ahead. Oh, of Oh, she wanted to expand beyond the ones connected yes. by the the Rainbow Bridge and beyond all this. their nine rounds. Yeah. Um, okay, Geekscape. So the so so we first see Thor. He is. Trying to put an end to Surtur. Mm-hmm. Surtur? Surtur. And I fucking love that scene. Well, this is the classic mythology aspect of it. Yes. The classic Norse mythology notion is that Ragnarok is the, is the Asgardians' Armageddon. And it's, it's going to come and it's going to be Surtur who's going to... That, that's always been Norse mythology. 
And in the Thor comics, they've actually played with it many times. Yes, they, they've had Ragnarok a handful of times. And, and, and the last time they did it, they actually addressed the fact that it's happened many times. Mm-hmm. And this notion of this endless cycle of death and rebirth. Right. You know, and it's sort of a reset that happens. So here you have that, I mean, I thought the scene to open the movie was hilarious. Absolutely hysterical. Just Thor talking to Surtur, being like, hey, listen, no, no. I'm going to rip your head off no, or no, take no, your no. crown off your head. With, with, with him wrapped up in the chains. Yeah, and rotating. And, and he's rotating. So funny. I was dying. And, and just off the bat with the chase, with the, with the fire dragon and everything yeah. that leads you off of uh, there. And then meanwhile, you know, back on Asgard... We've got, uh, what's his name, in charge of the, you know, he, he's kind of, uh, you, you find out that. A scourge? You find out that Scourge is sitting there in the, uh, you know, with. Heimdall's not there. Heimdall's not, not there. there. So you find out that he's not there. He's a disgrace. He's been run off. Uh, so something's off already. He's trying to impress those girls. You have the entire hilarious fucking sequence that is still pretty action-packed. Yeah. Of uh, Thor trying to get off of. Uh, Get, getting away from Sutter with with his head, yeah. with his helmet, with his with his with crown, helmet, yes. and uh, the whole part is as exciting as it is and as action packed as it is. It's fucking hilarious, and, yeah. I, and this is the movie I was looking forward to the most this year because Taika Waititi has been perfect every time out of the gate. What we do in the shadows is amazing. Hunt for the Wilder People is incredible. I haven't seen his other movies, but now, now I really want to. Oh, they're phenomenal. And they're the funniest fucking movies you're going to see. But they okay. also have this grounding. and They also have a whole lot of heart. And Sam Neill is fantastic in Hunt for the Wilder People. He's fantastic in his cameo here. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a levity to it. But the, the criticism that I see of Ragnarok is that it's too goofy, too silly. It's just full of jokes. I don't buy that at all. I think there was a lot of gravity to it. I didn't think Hela joked her way through the movie. I think at she all. killed a shit ton of people, including the Warriors Three, like they were afterthoughts. Well, as funny as the movie is, and and, and obviously the, 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 the best, and the best silly, movie yeah. to compare it to is Guardians, the first one. You know? I enjoyed it more than Guardians. No, I love I, Guardians. I, I, I'm not arguing that, but but Guardians is very funny, but it's definitely a serious movie and all that. Yeah, it's, I think Guardians is a bit different. It is. But I can see where you're comparing. And this movie is actually, I, th- I would say, less silly in the sense. Of, the thing about Guardians is Peter Quill's character is jokey, but he's jokey in a, like, like he's the joke, even though he isn't. And they're not heroes. In Guardians, they are not heroes. Yeah. This Th- Thor is a fucking hero. He Thor went down there to hero. get that crown. He's absolutely a hero. He's, he's a super hero. fucking hero in the beginning, yeah. opening sequence. He's flying across a damn dragon. It's yeah. amazing. There's never a moment in the movie where he ever accepts his lot. He's always striving to save the day. Right. He absolutely not for a second ever stops. Mm-hmm. There's not even a second of him going, oh, woe is me, and then have to find the thing. No. There's none of that. The it's, first movie had the stopped. self-doubt. The first movie had the I'm not I'm worthy. Saying, no, exactly. Yeah. What I'm saying in this movie, there's none he's of that. He's in. That's it. He's going. He's doing it. He's going to find his way back. He's going to do it. It's absolutely hopeless. It doesn't matter. Right. He doesn't stand a chance. Mjolnir has been destroyed. Doesn't matter. He's going. Mm-hmm. If he's going to die, he's going to die. He's still going. Yeah. It's been pretty awesome. Uh, and so, you know, he makes it back to Asgard. 
Yeah, the amazing fucking funny scene with the Mad Damon cameo. Well, well, well which not I've only been, that, yeah. but you know, after the end of the Dark World, you know, with the whole thing Loki taking over as Odin, you know, you definitely go into this movie wondering, okay, how involved is going to be? And I actually love that they spent about three minutes. Like Thor walks up, he looks at the whole thing, and he just knows. Yeah, he's like Loki. It's not even a this question. is a joke. Yeah. Right, with the hilarious Matt Damon play with Sam so Neill. Fun. And you're just watching this, you're like, dude, you know he's going to pull the, 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 the Scooby mask off of this thing right. and be like, all right, everybody, back to work. Right. Because Odin's actually dying, quote-unquote dying, and that, would, that opens the door for his daughter to return the banishment that she's, he's placed on her. Yeah. Which yeah. and, and she's she's immediately coming back. She immediately comes back and destroys Mjolnir and is a force to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. There's beyond no fucking powerful. around with this. They're beyond powerful, and that's one criticism is that Loki was the only big good villain in 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 the Marvel universe. You hear that criticism. I think that plenty of other villains have started to step up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I obviously lo- want Red Skull to come back in some form because I've always I loved him. Yeah, Red Skull was a great villain. Great. Just, for whatever reason, they haven't brought him back. They haven't I mean, brought him it back. Seemed like they set it up. Um, there's some really obviously solid villains. Thanos has been like they've been developing him as this big villain. Um, I mean, Malekith is the one that I thought was a very missed opportunity because I, lo- I, I agree. With I that. loved him. And, and actually, not not to get into the other one into a different movie, but. It's one of my biggest issues with Guardians 2 is that we didn't get enough Thanos in it. Like, I expected more. Oh, well, you did? It, what's that? Yeah, you did. Huh. I mean, that's what... Like, I thought that the treatment of... How, how did Guardians 2 not lead more into Infinity War? Even, I mean, at least there's a little bit of this, a little bit of setup for this in that. I, I in agree. I think that the treatment of Ego in that movie was such an awesome... It was so much better than was, I expected. Yeah, like I think what James Gunn did with the treatment of ego in that movie was awesome. The the second act is kind of where that movie loses me, uh, just because of the momentum yeah. and things like that. But 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 still, I'm not going to complain about <laughs> Guardians Two is awesome. Uh, well, it's well, it's well, fun. Well, this movie, so, but so this you, movie you, you, is you, so compact and so tight, it never yeah. fucking lets off the gas. Hell is fantastic, and yet, and to have Hella and have this giant threat, and then and then right, we put on pause, and now here's this amazing frolic. You know, this detour tangent in the movie where suddenly, all right, he's off, he's gone, you know, she's doing what she's doing, she thinks he's probably dead, whatever, and here he is, and now we get Planet Hulk. Which is crazy. Like, that they fit Planet Hulk into a movie that not only is a Thor movie, it's also only like 90-some-odd minutes long. Is that all it was? It's a really short movie. I was worried that it was going to detract too much, that it was going to feel like too, too much like two different movies, and that was just it. Because he's so about getting back there, it doesn't. And the fact that Loki had ended up there also, and time worked differently and all mm-hmm. that, And Doctor Strange had hinted at the whole thing with Odin. Guys, we got a Defenders movie. Yeah, oh... The, it's got well, Doctor actually, Strange... The Doctor Strange stuff got, was fantastic. It was amazing. And we got we, Doctor Strange, we got Thor, we got Valkyrie, we got yeah. the Hulk... We got ourselves a Defenders movie. Yeah. You know who's missing. I know. Because of this, you know, if you know, if you got your druthers and, you know, the merger happened, then we'd have Norrin Rat in it. Yeah. Which, by the way... Was in Planet, Planet Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> I got I mean, you. <laughs> that, 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 that's just it. It's Thor took the Silver Surfer's place. Formerly played by our good friend, Doug Jones. Right. Well, actually, what's really interesting is in the comic, it's the Silver Surfer there. Yes. In the... Animated and animated version, it's actually Beta Ray Bill. And in this version, it's, it's Thor. Thor. Right. Um, so, 
I mean, we're skipping through a lot of stuff because this movie well, has so much in it. But, yes. but I mean, and I, I purposely said that I've just I'm set you up for for your little observation. That no, I, I love this movie, but I mean, come on! Like, first off, he lands in the junk mm-hmm. in Sakaar, which does not look like the Sakaar that we know for the comics. It's totally very fine different because it's the color and the treatment of it. You immediately see the Kirby influence on everything, well, which I love so much that he has these weird helmets on the soldiers. The, the uh, it, it, it it's just fucking hilarious, and then uh, I love the I love the are you meat, you know are you are yes. you meat? It's like what are you food? And so uh, and then the introduction of Valkyrie was uh, a treatment of Valkyrie we've never seen before, never. but I'm was, but I totally got it, and it gave her an interesting aspect that I never thought Valkyrie actually had. I never invested in the Valkyrie. You know comics. what was interesting, and I it's only just occurring to me. The treatment that they did of Valkyrie, what it actually reminds me of, of I feel like they actually borrowed from the comics of what they did in Thor once he became unworthy. Uh huh. Yeah. That's exactly when he became unworthy. Did and as the story goes, we come to see that she's like this because she's felt unworthy. Right. I I don't think that's an accident. I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, now that I'm thinking about it. People like to criticize that comics aren't good anymore because, you know, all the classic stories are the ones that are done and comics don't have any new stories. Keep in mind, all the stuff in Planet, uh, in Planet Hulk and in Thor Ragnarok are storylines, for the most part, that just came about in the last 10 years Absolutely. in comics. That's like Planet stuff. Hulk and then later the treatment of Asgard as a nomadic place. Mm-hmm. Right? Because uh, that obviously reminds I mean, me of the, when it comes you, to you know Oklahoma. What I, I don't know if you've read. Do you know what I'm talking about, about, about the un- Unworthy Thor? Is that the stuff when, when Jason Aaron got the, you know, and he had to use the axe and everything now? Yeah. Like, I read but, all that stuff, yeah. So, I'm saying. But, but, and he just but, drunk himself into a stupor the whole time. Yeah. Just drunk all the time yeah. before he gets there. I read point. it. Yeah. I mean, it's literally exactly how she was portrayed. If Jason Aaron and Izzet Rebek are doing the comic, if they're doing Thor, I'm reading that shit. Yeah. Because they're, they're incredible. Absolutely. Um, I'm bouncing a lot, around a lot, and I know that what you want me to get to is when you, I mean, God, the Charlie and Ch- Ch- Chocolate Factory, like, so, like ride to introduce so Thor to the new rules and, of the yeah, game. Yeah, actually the, doing the music, it was just great. Um, and the Grandmaster, yeah, amazing. And so, so Jeff Goldblum, and, and amazing. Their attitude is that they're presenting it that that the Grandmaster and the Collector are brothers. The, so I think I think wait, that's a wait, loose wait, statement. What would you say in the comics they're presenting that the Grand? No, in this, 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 this that the Grandmaster and the Collector, played by Benicio del Toro and Guardians, yeah. are brothers. Yes, but they, have, they have similar flair. Well, well, the notion of brothers is a weird thing because the idea is supposed to be these elders of the universe that. Mm-hmm. Have just been around so long, so are they technically brothers, but that's how they're referencing it. Well, I mean, obviously, in Jerry Duggan's run on Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. you see that they are this family. Well, that's not and, just Jerry Duggan. That, that I know. goes back. Yeah. 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 And, and, and so I don't see why it's problematic here. It's not problematic. Okay. I'm just saying that that, that that's sort of the, that, there's that, that interconnectivity exists, right. which is why in the credits of Guardians 2, you actually see Grandmaster. Right. Uh, the best thing ever. The Grandmaster's, like, temple or his thing has yeah. fucking Beta Ray Bill and all the champions yeah. on the side of it. And they're putting the Hulk's face on it. Mm-hmm. But you had to pop when you saw freaking uh, Ares and Beta Ray Bill. And it has to do with the two faces. Uh, the Bi-Beast? Bi- <laughs> the yeah. Bi-Beast. And you're just, like, sitting there going, oh, man. Yeah. I love it. Just that, I mean, it's such a prominent... 
like clear thing mm-hmm. Beta Ray Bill's head and you're watching it well, I fucking yelled out loud in the well, theater well the other thing that you know something the Marvel Cinematic Universe has done a lot of is they take things from the comics that are just the titles right it's not it's just because it, they have a certain cachet right so they actually threw in the terminology Contest of the Champions yes he he runs Contest of Champions yeah, yeah. it was awesome and that was a comic series. It was definitely something that happened in the comics. It, it, it was, and it was seeing the best comic characters fighting the other comic characters. Yeah. And they were forced to fight each other because every kid did that. Who would right. win in a fight? Right. Who would win in a fight? Who would win in a fight? Captain America or, or Wolverine? Who would win in a fight? Mm-hmm. The Punisher or Spider-Man? Who and would so, win in a fight? So, so, so the ultimate thing of it is to say that, to throw that reference in there, and then next thing you know, you have Thor versus the Hulk. And it was a contest of champions. Yeah. The Hulk was literally his champion. Mm-hmm. And that, Hulk, that fight is fantastic. But be- awesome. But before that fight, we get to meet the highlight of the movie for me. Two characters from Planet Hulk who I want to have a spin-off movie tomorrow. Korg and Meek. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So funny. I love Korg so much from the comic. And I was worried yeah. that we'd seen the end of Korg. In Thor Dark World, when we see... Uh, what, what, what kind of race is he? What kind of alien is he? Uh, Thor recognizes it when he sees him. He says, um, you're a blank blank, aren't oh, you? Yeah, it's... Um, but we see one of them get killed in Thor Dark World. Yes. And, and I thought we, that was we, the We thought that might be all we get, yeah. yeah. I was like, wait, that was Korg? Yeah. No, you get a new Korg. Uh, and you get Meek, who's not as like Mantis-like as he is in the comics. Right. He's very much more like a grub. But I don't care because he was awesome. And he's got scissor hands. He's got scissor arms. I I have to say, I knew we weren't going to get it. But I did go in the movie hoping I'd see a brood. Yeah. A brood would be huge. That's obviously X-Men. I'm guessing guessing that's X-Men. There's two ways of looking at it. No matter how you look at it, it's still a 20th property. Yeah. (laughs) Well, maybe we'll get a brood soon. You know Uh, know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, hopefully we're getting a brood soon. Uh, well, oh, no, you're no. talking about aliens, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about Ridley Scott. Yeah. Um, well, for, for the listeners, the, the brood are an X-Men alien that were basically a, yeah, they were a basically, rip-off of aliens. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I just think Korg was hilarious. In, in, I saw criticism online that Korg was funny when he was first introduced, but then he was the same note over and over again. Mm-hmm. No. Fuck good. off. That note was awesome, and he gave levity to some pretty mm-hmm. intense scenes, including the... Uh, the, the 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 abandonment of Asgard there at the end, where you just see people getting slaughtered. Um, he came in some amazing places, like this. Arena I mean, fight. actually, at the end there with the whole he has Meek and thought Meek's dead. Oh, He's dude, not... <laughs> I was so worried Meek was I dead. I was my heart was broken when I saw him carrying Meek around, and he's like, "Oh, Meek's dead." And then Meek wakes up and goes sneezes or something. He's like, "Oh, no, he's not." <laughs> I love so Meek, funny. and that totally opens it up. Yeah. Well, maybe. For the next movie. I know there's a cliffhanger at the end of this film. Maybe. But uh, that being said, um, that fight, Thor versus the Hulk, it was the big, it was the big sell of this movie. Well, well before we, we, talk about uh, anything we get there, you want, because... We're just professing love on this film. I know, I, know, we we have, are, we I don't are. know what criticisms we have. Let's throw one thing out there, which is back to the Hella fight, and there's... Um, well, actually, no. It, I think that actually comes a little bit later. But I'm thinking about, you know, when we talk about characters dying in this movie, there are some big deaths in this movie. Warriors 3. Yeah. Um, my biggest, my one frustration with the movie is there should have at least been a throwaway line of where the hell is Sif. Yeah, there was no Sif in this movie. Yeah. 
Jamie Alexander. Like there was yes. no Sif, which uh, you know she she made a she showed up in Agents of Shield. Where is she? Yeah, here? she's in a couple. Of, well, uh, she wasn't doing Blind Spot yet. Right. So you have um, no Sif in this movie. You do have Hemdell, which I mean, Idris Elba has become a bona fide megastar. Right. Yeah. But he shows up in this movie, and he's fantastic in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love his sort of Lord of the Rings-ish take. You know, he's, he's getting people out of Asgard that's occupied by Hela and her zombie right. army. Um, there Shazam is no was Sif. in the movie. Shazam was in the movie for in like two three different shots. Ways. Shazam was in the movie in like two, three shots. That first one was obviously he plays one of the Warriors three, and he takes a knife to the chest, and he's dead. Right. Exactly uh, that way. The other way that Shazam shows up in the movie is the Ride the Lightning yes. reference of when Thor unlocks his power of Lightning God. Um, we're bouncing around a lot. We're slowly going through the movie in order, but really, we're just there's nothing for me at least to criticize. The movie felt, as I said, my, the only real criticism I had was like I don't understand where Seth and. For all we know, that was in a, in a, in a cut ended up on the floor somewhere. Right. Um, you know, there must have been a throwaway line somewhere, you would think. I love the way that there's different dynamics in the fight versus between Hulk and Thor. Mm-hmm. I love the way that Loki has uh, an interest in it. I love the way that it calls back to oh, the, the whip back and forth so that the Hulk to Loki. So funny. When, when the Hulk grabs... Thor by the feet and whips him back and forth as you saw Loki do get the yes, treatment the of the thing, Avengers. Yeah, now, now you know how that feels. I mean, oh, was that so funny? Yeah, and the whole time Loki tr- is trying to hide from the Grandmaster that he has a relationship with either of these characters. Yeah, because he's working angles like he's always working angles. Of course he is. Um, but it, Loki and Valkyrie come around when they realize that there's an actual true danger to Asgard, and at the end of the day, that's their home. Yeah. And Helen needs to be put in her place, but there's a race to get off of the uh, off of. Well, uh, and, and you are jumping a lot because uh, to the extent that we're saying it's Planet Hulk, let's talk about the Hulk in this movie. Sure. Let's talk about the fact that with every single MCU appearance of the Hulk, he's developed a little bit more. And the notion that I think they really demonstrate here, and I think I had read something on this earlier, you know, when the movie was being made, but the idea is that well, as the Hulk's been around. You know, he's banners on the Hulk for a little while. And I, there's something of this idea that, well, the Hulk soars ages only in terms of when he's around. So the Hulk is slowly getting more capable of communicating. He's kind of aging. Right. That's the way I see it. It's like now he's like this toddler. And now we've seen the Hulk, and we ended, we learn very quickly that the Hulk has been the Hulk for two years. Right. But I'm Banner's, saying, Banner's so, been, impr- been so, kicked out of the driver's seat point, for two years. So now he's talking, but he's, he's talking, talking like a little kid. Right. Who's a massive id running and, around. And he has tantrums. Right. And he throws things and he's upset. Uh, Thor does win that fight, by the way. Which is yes, pretty awesome. Like, Thor wins the fight and if not for the Grandmaster stepping yes, in. he was going to win. He was going to win that fight, which is pretty fucking awesome. Which, mind you, is consistent with the comics. In the comics, it's Thor does not beat the Hulk's strength, but he'll win out when he just fully uses the lightning. Right. That's how he be, he can't beat the Hulk's strength. Hulk is the strongest one there is. Right. That is true. But he's not the best fighter. Well, it doesn't mean he's the most powerful. Right. Uh, so here we have this scene later on where like, Thor comes to and um, he sees the Hulk come out of a bathtub. <laughs> that's gonna, oh my God. That's, that's in my brain. Uh, that's now in my brain. And uh, they're like roomies for a little while. It, I mean, it, and, 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 and they've said about this movie that it's this little like buddy comedy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it fully becomes that. Both you and, and and two great different dynamics. 
the Thor Hulk dynamic and the Thor Banner dynamic. Yeah, are both hysterical and fun in their own in their own ways. Yeah, and working together, all of it is really great. But they've got to uh, hopefully with Loki and. Valkyrie's help. They've got to get off of Sakaar. They've got to get to Asgard, and they've got to save it from Hela. And by that's, the way, that's a plot what, what that about we're all the get. Tony Stark stuff? The, the digs at Tony Stark with with the clothes and all that. Right, because Banner doesn't have any clothes on on Planet Hulk on Sakaar, and when they find the Quinjet, uh, Banner only his only option is to wear Tony's clothes. I love how the Sakarians worship the Hulk. Like they love the Hulk. Like there's sure. Hulk parades. They're tossing green up in the air. And again, it lends itself to this amazing palette that the that the movie had, especially mm-hmm. in the in the Sakaar sequences. Everything looked amazing. I can't say enough about the Kirby looks of this yeah. movie and why Kirby like it, guys. It works, and the fact that we have Fantastic Four movies that don't embrace the full Kirbyism yes. drives me nuts because his designs work throughout the Sakaar sequence. You see the Grandmaster's uh, guards, you see the soldiers, you see the ships, you see the buildings, mm-hmm. you see full-on Kirby, which we saw some of, obviously, in the first Thor movie. And Kenneth Branagh did a good job of when he first introduced us to Asgard. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cool Kirbyism going on in Asgard and then in the, in, in the Asgardian temple that was in the throne room. That was really cool. Never to this extent. Yes. I mean, this is straight up the most Kirby movie we've ever seen. I think it's very important and it's funny. Um, I was in the car with my girlfriend, we're driving, and you know, I, was, I referenced, I saw the, the billboard up the other day, and I said, "Oh yeah," and she, I told, I was telling her how great Kate Blanchett was in the movie. She's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, oh, oh, that, oh, you mean Mufson?" I was like, "No, that, no, I mean Hella." Right. You know, and she's like, <laughs> "Oh," and, and, and it was literally like she's like because she, visually the cue was to her it's Mufson. I was like, "No." That's Hella. Right. I said, that is everything Hella was... I mean, it's Hella. Right. That is... With very Kirby-ish, yes. like, her And that's her why crown. I'm bringing it up. Yeah. The crown, that's Hella. Right. That is Kirby's Hella. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, the Sakaar sequence. you got to get off of Sakaar, and uh, you're going to love Hunt for the Wilder People, because not only is Sam Neill in it and in mm-hmm. this film, but the Grandmaster's second-in-command, that woman... Yeah, I know. ...who has, like, all... The- she just She's has funny. a fucking chip on her shoulder. Oh, it's so funny. She's an, that actress, I don't know her name, is an amazing part of Hunt for the Wilder People. Has so many amazing beats. Uh, and I just love the heart on that she has against Valkyrie. It's like so She good. hates her. And that, that chase sequence in the, in the spaceships at the end of the movie where they're racing to the Devil's Anus, which is what they call this yeah. major storm slash wormhole that'll get you back to Asgard. Uh so fucking awesome and it's just a the design in this movie like obviously you see Taika Waititi's movies and people talk a lot in the movies but they're fucking hilarious it's like mm-hmm. the Korg stuff the the ad-libbing the improv the character work the dialogue the strongest versions of those things here in, the, in Thor Ragnarok those, that's what those movies are built on that he made earlier okay what really impressed me here and I'm going back to that Thor Hulk fight is just how dynamic that fight was. How many pieces it has you. It went from grappling to fist fighting mm-hmm. to jumping up in the air to throwing across distances in this arena to using the terrain to using multiple weapons. It's a fight with a lot of pieces in it. Yeah. It's not just a hand to hand combat fight like you see in some movies, mm-hmm. it goes through different phases. The chase sequence to get off of Sakaar is similar, where you have uh, a ship that has. Bruce in it. It's got uh, you know um, uh, Valkyrie piloting it, and Thor's in it. And then all of a sudden, it starts changing dynamics to where 
Valkyrie goes to dispose of some of the ships coming on. Thor's at the helm. And then ultimately, Thor's going to go help out. And Banner's left trying to pilot a ship. He has no idea what to do. Loki's somewhere in there. Um, but for the most part, you have a constantly shifting landscape in this, in this chase sequence that makes it really dynamic and really awesome and fun to watch. Uh, along with all the different aspects of like people chasing them. And then you have the environment becoming a problem. And uh, you're working your way towards something called the Devil's Anus, which also <laughs> has its own environmental problems. Uh, filmmakers out there, I just gave you examples of a fight scene and a chase sequence that goes through different phases. And I think that's a key to really like making these things dynamic. You can still tell stories mm-hmm. throughout these things. You do not have to stop your story to do a fight scene. You don't have to stop your story to do a chase scene. You can tell a story through these things, and I and it really was a part of Taika Waititi's storytelling that hadn't been showcased in his earlier movies, and I was fucking totally blown away by it. Because clearly the dude could direct, clearly the guy could work with actors, he'd proven that. Let's see him do a Marvel movie, and I was like, holy shit, this movie just rips. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, they get to Asgard, time to save it. I love Scourge's character. I love how much of an ass he is at the beginning. And almost immediately upon Hela's arrival, he shows his cowardice and his remorse for what he's done in selling out his Asgardian people. And you know he's going to have that character turn. You know at the end he's going to actually turn into a bit of a tragic hero and mm-hmm. sacrifice himself a, a bit for, for, so, that this, uh, so that this Noah's Ark of Asgardians can leave Asgard and move on into the stars. And I loved that part of his character. I love that you slowly start moving it. And people have been asking, why was an actor of the caliber of um, Carl, Urban. Carl Urban in this movie? Because that character, now, I thought that character was actually pretty important. And I thought well, Carl Urban, I'll, I'll it took you, an actor like well, that to play him. Not, not to be too much of a, you know, of a comic book traditionalist on this, but I was a little surprised to see them do him and not do him with Enchantress. You know, they'd done right. Lorelei on Age of the Shield, you know, her sister, and... I don't know. I, I I just I just felt like Scourge of the you think yeah. Scourge of the Enchantress are well, like, they go, hand, they, in they go hand. hand in hand. But what they did is they just jumped ahead to the Simons and stuff of right. that because ultimately in the comics he dies and then he becomes Hella's executioner and they did not do the literal Hella. She's just the goddess of the underworld. I mean they called her the goddess of death, but they didn't again. Instead of looking at those aspects that are a little bit more supernatural, mm-hmm. the Asgardians, they've kept it more of the alien thing. So she, by calling the goddess of death, they weren't going to actually make it literally that she's governing over a, a, the next realm after people die. Right. And you how know? great it was that they used Hela to do some cleanup in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They're like, oh, that uh, Infinity Gauntlet you got really excited about, guys, yeah. in Thor 1? Yeah. It was a fake. So... Yeah. Because you're wondering, like, when you saw that cameo of uh, the post credit scene of Thanos grabbing mm-hmm. the Infinity Gauntlet and being like, I'll just do it myself at the end of, I right. believe, Guardians. Uh, it was at the end of, it may have been a, at the end of one of the Avengers movies. It may have been at the end of Ultron. But you see yeah, Thanos yeah. grab the Infinity Gauntlet out of, like, what looks like a high school locker. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I'll just do it myself. And you're like, wait, whoa, whoa. That thing's in Asgard. Nope. You learn in this movie the fake was in Asgard. Right. Um, and I, I do love the fact that um, they're acknowledging that some of this stuff had been quote-unquote established already. Mm-hmm. They got to do some cleanup. Yeah. And they did it. Um, pretty pretty awesome, masterful job there. 
again, Hella definitely has a chip on her shoulder when she's looking at when she's showing Scourge the history, the prehistory that had been covered up by Odin. Her character has plenty of justification. Absolutely, like, like and I, she's I, firstborn and all of that. The fresco sequences are what I love the most. It's a, like a really great way to tell that story and then well, show like she has nothing but motivation. Well, an interesting thing they did here too, and if you think about it, it, it actually, you don't actually realize you're seeing a character arc because as we were saying earlier, we've already seen his arc in that first movie and he's, been, he's this superhero and he's consistently that, but there actually was more to it. And, and this is a huge departure from the comic. But and the who you're talking about Thor? Yes. Okay. To take, to have her destroy Mjolnir, and I remember thinking when I saw that in the, in the uh, trailers and even in the beginning of the film, I'm like, well, he must get it back because he's not the God of Thunder without it. Actually, right. like, but he's the God of Thunder. It's right. actually always been, it's actually a problem with, with, the, with the character in the comics is, well, if he's the God of Thunder, then why is the hammer so important, so powerful? Mm-hmm. And the idea was always, you know, whosoever has this power, if they're worthy, will have the power of Thor. Right. Well, then doesn't that, doesn't that mean the power comes from him? Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I'm watching this movie, I'm like, oh, Held is getting her power from Asgard. Well, why is she so powerful? Why does she get a power from Asgard? And then the ultimate thing was like, well, no, Thor does too. He just hasn't realized it yet. Right. You know, the, the hammer was just focusing it. He doesn't need it. Right. You know? Right. Uh, I thought that their fight, especially the, the, the loss of Thor's eye, yeah. was a huge moment. It, well, it it reminded sho- me- it's a great shocking thing, and obviously it draws the parallel to Odin. But you know, but more along the lines of again, you know, in the comics we have the whole this whole ancient King Thor, mm-hmm. you know, idea, and I mean it's definitely related to that. I find it hard to believe that he's not. Is he going to be in, in these any other movies without with, an with, eye? With one eye. I, I, um, one of my one of the things that that I was sad about <clears throat> in uh, Thor: The Dark World was how much it eroded my sense of gravity when you'd have beats like uh, the illusion that Loki cast when Thor lost his arm. Mm-hmm. He had a sequence where Malekith cuts, or one of the Dark Elves cuts Thor's arm off, mm-hmm. and you learn only moments later that it was just yeah. a piece of it was trickery from Loki. Um, why not go through with cutting Thor's arm off? Why not making these giant character moments? And I think that beats like that really hurt the, my feeling of gravity in something like the Thor of the Dark mm-hmm. World. It didn't feel like there was a whole lot to be lost there. A movie like this, Thor loses his eye. He does not grow the eye back by Same the end of the movie. Same with the Warriors get killed. They're dead. They do not come back. You crush Mjolnir, it does not come back by the end of this movie. I did miss Cat Dennings because I love looking at Cat Dennings. Mm-hmm. But uh, the level of gravity what, that's introduced... What, what about Natalie Portman? I, I, miss, I, like, I, I like Cat Dennings. Mm-hmm. I like Natalie a lot. Love Cat Dennings. Um, but the, when things are lost in this movie, they stay lost. Yeah. When things happen well, in this movie, they stay happening. And, and, and Banner is really troubled by the fact that he had been trapped by the Hulk for yeah, two, years. two years. It's incredible. Um, you know, what I got to thinking about and seeing characters like that get killed was... and I mean, it's, an, it's actually an interesting place to go, especially now in doing this podcast, you know, on this date, um, in drawing parallels to the DC movies... And in particular, what, what Zack Snyder has done, because you know when when we look at um, you know what he's done there and like like treatment of a character like Jimmy Olsen, right? And you know, and I know as upset as I was by that, I, I took a step back and I thought to myself, I said, all right, well, let's think about this. 
and I'm, I'm about to relate this to, to this movie, is like, for people, for those of us that have read hundreds and hundreds of issues of Thor, the ancillary characters are really important to us because mm-hmm. they're part of this ongoing cast. The Warriors but, are but, very important. Yeah. But, but when you have a movie, well, they've actually had plenty of screen time in the yeah. Thor movies, and guess what? Probably isn't going to be another Thor movie. Does it matter if you kill the Warriors 3? Right. We weren't getting a Th- Warriors 3 spinoff. But Zack Snyder kills Jimmy Olsen in the first right. Star Wars. And, and, and my point is, but, 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 yeah. but, but his take, I'm not defending Zack Snyder, but his take there was, well, hey, guess what? I'm never going to do that setup. I had no intention. They don't work for my vision of these movies. So I gave you Jimmy Olsen to acknowledge his existence. I hate what Zack Snyder did. I hate that he did it that way. But, you know, at least with Thor, we had the Warriors 3 for a while. But my point is just that here in this third movie, they can die. Yeah, and again... It felt, it, and the moment happens, like, what, they can't do that. And I realized, yeah, of course you can. Yeah, it didn't what, hurt what, me. What were you going to do with it? You know? And Hogan fought. Yeah. And, H- and Hogan was a badass. Yeah, big time. Hogan just wasn't the god of de- goddess of death. And, uh, and, 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 and what I love was... Yeah, Hogan was not surrendering. And again... It didn't matter. It goes back to this idea of gravity. And for everybody who thought that this movie was too silly. And that's like the criticism I'm hearing about this. I was like, oh, this movie was too silly. No, this movie had intense gravity. Yeah. You lose Mjolnir. You lose the Warrior 3. You lose your stakes. eye. Odin you dies. You lose fucking Asgard. Yeah. And not lose Asgard like we lost it. They sacrifice Asgard. And by the way, you know the movie, the movie early on, you, you know, we referenced the scenes with with Doctor Strange, which were great. So I love funny. I love the level of power. Like it's such a great transition of you. Know, we see Do- Doctor Strange, the end. Of Doctor Strange, he's coming into his power. He's getting there. Now this movie, he's so much more powerful than and, he was. And also keep in mind, we've just seen an intro where Thor is flying against a fire dragon, whipping ass at Sutter. He's totally in control. He goes back to Asgard, still in control. He shows up in Doctor Strange's uh, domain and all those trick shots where he is completely off balance. Right. Doctor Strange is just redirecting him in every shot. And not <laughs> and he, he's like completely out of sorts. And by the way, it's one thing to do like the Thor. Look how easily Doctor Strange deals with Loki. Yeah. Like, like Loki pulls a knife on him and he's like, bitch, please. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Doctor Strange is not friendly with Loki thing, at all. He, he was falling for all that time? Yeah, he was falling in 30 minutes. It's like Doctor Strange is not... like Loki, Keep in mind, Loki was the villain in the first Avengers movie. Right. Loki was the villain in the first Thor movie. Loki is a villain like that everybody thought was like, wow, it's the most respected like Marvel villain. Doctor Strange didn't even like lose right. a beat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking it was awesome. awesome. I thought like literally, like this is literally like Doctor Strange one point five, and as short as it is, it's an integral piece yeah. of the Doctor Strange mythos within these movies. I love like, the flavor he's that now threw in badass. Yeah. yeah, I love the flavor that all those cameos threw into it. Yeah. Well, anyway, the reason I'm referencing it though is that you know when, when talking about stakes, you know, you definitely get this sense of no hell is coming for everyone mm-hmm. if Thor doesn't stop her. She's coming for everybody, every world. It's all happening. It's all go- it's all going there, you sure. know. Um, so, and I make reference to that because no, this is a serious movie, right? And there were people. I think I think the criticism is, oh, it's so jokey, it's so wisecracky, and like people trying to say it's out of character, but it isn't. I mean, Thor's always been this boisterous, you know, character. He's always had that. Um, some of the best moments in Avengers have been him with Hulk and that sure. stuff and the competitive thing and all that and the ego. You know, that's always been there. And it's just played up by, by due to circumstance. Sure. Um, so the end of the movie. 
they they find this uh, Noah's Ark and and Thor comes into his own and having a throne of, yeah. and, and leading Asgard into a new phase. Uh, they did not land uh, above Oklahoma as they do no. at the one point in the comics. Well, well I got to uh, say that I love the way they tied it together. And yeah. I like the idea that it was actually it was you know referencing Banner's line about the brain being the, the strongest muscle. I mean, this was a smart plan. Yeah, smart plan. They outthink Hela. The searcher gets what he wants, uh, but at the cost of Asgard. But the, the hysterical but Asgard moment is of the, the Hulk wanting to beat the shit the, out of Sutter. Yeah. And it's literally like, oh no, because you actually think for half a second that he's actually going to take out Surtur. And he's like, yeah, he goes, monster. <laughs> punch monster. Yeah. It's like, no, Hulk, this time you do not punch monster. We go on the spaceship. Uh, again, my favorite sequence of the movie, my favorite part of the movie is discovering that Meek isn't dead. Because yeah. I'm still holding out for that Korg Meek, like, buddy movie. I can't wait. Marvel make it so... Uh, and so by the, the way, even and Valkyrie gets a great character arc. Uh huh. She did. She gave, her redemptive character arc was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so does Loki. Yeah. Like they all guys. This is a really damn good movie. Yeah. This movie cannot just be dismissed as being a silly film. Like, Mind you, ridiculous. And we've, we've danced around it, but as does Hulk and Banner. Sure, of course, absolutely. Uh, at the end of the movie, you got all these characters on this. "Quote unquote life as guardian life raft in space, and Thor has taken his rightful place in the, right. on the throne. And, and, and let's say this very specifically. Let's talk about yeah. the movie ends before the post credits. Okay, so the movie ends. How do you want to talk about it? Well, so the movie ends where okay, they've saved these Asgardians. Now it's an arc. Mm-hmm. It's you know, yeah, it's definitely the, the, a Noah's Ark. Yeah, they're taken off. They're going to find another planet. That's it. And you know, it it always it struck me as interesting a lot of the time the way Marvel does their after credit sequences. Um, actually, um, Thor: uh, The Dark World was one of those that I felt if you didn't stay, you actually missed the end of that movie. Whereas, what was it? What was the end? Of, what was it? Well, because you actually see that he went back to Jane, and he's with her. Yes, and that's I felt it was an important ending to that movie for you to have a sense of okay. That movie story and their whole back and forth and their romance. Um, because it's so integral to it. Whereas this movie and many of the others, the after credit sequence is really just about the interconnectivity of the Marvel movies. It's not necessarily integral to the movie you just watched. Right. The movie you just watched ends with the Empire and, Strikes Back ending of looking out the, the windows and you have yeah. these characters moving forward. Right? And, 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 and I think that's great. I think that's important. Now, in this particular time, I think it actually works in two levels because the big ending that we get both is really setting up the next movie, but it also takes away your happy ending. Yeah, we've got this happy ending. The Asgardians are going to have a future and a better tomorrow. And then all of a sudden you see this big ship that says Guardian Life Raft and it is dwarfed by this mysterious, enormous whale of a spaceship that uh, just... Dwarfs it, uh, Ian. What the hell was that? Sanctuary two, Sanctuary two. So what is Sanctuary two? Thanos, his home base is Sanctuary, and Sanctuary two is his mobile base. Okay, his home base where we see him have his throne. Yes, that's that's Sanctuary. That's Sanctuary. Sanctuary two is his mobile base. It's a giant ship. It, okay, and it looked like that, that in the comics. Yeah, like, that, that, that's Thanos. Not even a question. Feige has actually acknowledged it. Okay. 
So the, these Porous Guardians who've just survived Hela, yeah. the destruction of yeah. Asgard. And here's the thing. It's very important to acknowledge that Loki saw the Tesseract. So yes. He, there's no way he didn't take it. before. No, the, yeah. When he, when he was going to, for Sutter's helmet to throw it into the Eternal Flame and bring Sutter back to destroy Asgard, right. he's going through the... Uh, He's going through the, uh, what is that? The, that's like a, um, the, the, the vault. The vault. He's going yeah. through the Guardian vault and he sees the Tesseract. Loki kind of pauses. He took the thing. Yeah. So, so the thing is, is I think going back to years ago when we first heard about these phases and we knew after the first Avengers movie that it was going to be about leading to Thanos, we assumed that what we'd start getting in these movies or at least in the closing credits would be Thanos collecting the Infinity Stones. Mm-hmm. Which have been, you know, objects in the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe movies. Um, I'll tell you my personal theory, because there's a big deal where they've said they refuse to, to tell what the name of Avengers Four is going to be because it revealed too much about the plot, and they're calling Avengers Three Infinity War. Right. My personal theory is, you know, as I referenced earlier, that they pull titles. Well, Infinity War was the second in the, in, uh, of the Infinity miniseries. Right. Infinity okay? Gauntlet was the first one. Infinity Gauntlet was the first one. Um, but Infinity War sounds really cool. I believe that the movie that we're going to get in May, it's called Infinity War, it's actually going to be, the whole movie is going to be Thanos collecting the stones. And it's calling it a war because it's a war to get the Infinity Stones. And therefore, my belief is the fourth movie is Infinity Gauntlet. Okay. So you I think, think it will be called movie? Infinity Gauntlet. So... It's so that's meaning it. that this movie is it's going to be these big fights with Thanos, yeah, getting more and more powerful, right? And the ending's going to be, guess what? And now he has them all. So the fourth movie is Infinity Gauntlet because now he has them all, and now they're really screwed. So the teasers for Infinity War that we've seen, obviously, the first, this one starts out with Thor drifting in space, lifeless, right. and he runs into the Guardians, which seems to imply that this does not go well for this ship. No, I, I'm really worried. This I really see that ending. This, I think everyone dies. This is not good for my Korg and Meek. No, exactly. Spinoff movie. Not, not good for that this at all. This is not really. It's good. possible that, that Thor sacrifices himself and everyone gets away. But it including feel Hulk, like it. including Hulk, including Valkyrie, yes, including yes. these characters you've just established, including Hemdel, including Loki. Yes, but it sounds like Loki it, is going to lose the Infinity Stone or the 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 Tesseract. The, the Infinity well, there's Stone. no way he's not losing. Yeah, it. he's going to lose it to yeah Thanos, and then you've got the Hulk somehow in that. And battle. by the way, and we do know the Hulk that, is there. We do know these characters are in the movie. We know that they're in Heimdall's the in the movie. Loki's in the movie. Right. So and Banner's in the movie. Banner's in the movie. So you have the Hulk somehow surviving this match that is set up in the post credit scene of... Yeah. Oh, shit. May can't come soon enough, dude. Yeah. Oh, fuck. And by the way, the footage I saw at Comic-Con blew my mind. Yeah, I heard it was awesome. Like rocket shooting a machine gun and stuff. I heard it was Like ridiculous. Thanos grabbing the moon and pulling it out of orbit? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Um, so you really don't think I'm going to get a Corgan Meek spinoff? I really movie? don't think you're going to get it now. They I'm can't sorry. Die. Don't do that. I'm sorry. I didn't bring you on here to depress me. Not buddy. with that ending. Stop it. Not Just, with that ending. Well, I'll turn the TV. I'll turn it off before that ending shows up. Well, that's all I'm telling. That's what I'm saying. Is, <laughs> oh. You know, you, you know, that's just it. The movie ends. And you have this great, hopeful ending, and then you get that, and it's like, oh, guess what? You're right. It didn't have that long to wait. And by the way, let's just talk about that. Is we get Black Panther in February, is around the corner. I know. And then boom, Infinity War in May. And then we get Ant Man and the Wasp Yay. in July. Yay. I then love we're going to wait a long ass time for, the, for Captain Marvel. 
Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Well, Marvel, I don't think it's until the following uh, March. Oh, Jesus. Uh, and well, then we'll be the fourth Avengers. Well, let's be real, Ian. Okay. We got Frank Castle visiting us first. Oh, yes. We got some Punisher going hey, down. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm going to make the statement right now. I'm going to make the statement right now. On November 17th, I'm going to be wearing my Punisher t-shirt when I go see Justice League. So Punisher, yeah, it comes out the 17th of fuck. Marvel's giant fuck you, Damn. as I said in the email when I, when I saw that news. Look at how Marvel said fuck you to the Justice League. Yeah, they, they, brought, they brought the Punisher on the same day. Yeah. Um, okay, so Ian, this is how we're going to have to work this out, okay? So... You, you can tell me. Yeah. Uh, January, I had my own issues uh, that day. Yeah. yeah. So November 19th, that Sunday. It's my mother's birthday. Okay, I got to drive back from San Francisco that day. Okay. When do, is your mom going to celebrate her birthday? Uh, we'll do it on the 19th. Uh, we don't have to have a conversation on the podcast about scheduling No, no, our no, we do, we do, we do. Because the Geekscapers need to know when to expect this. Because we got to talk Justice League. Let, and I'm guessing let, we're going to talk Justice League on the 19th. No. Maybe let, the 20th. Well, we're gonna, either the night of the 19th, because I'll have dinner early, or the 20th. During the day, okay. you can come, we can okay. record. Geekscapers, I'm telling you right now, because I already have my guest for the 20th. Mm-hmm. Ooh, uh, I've got my guest. What? That, so, 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 like, you, you're so Geekscapers, Geekscapers, that, that, here, this is what the week of the 20th is going to look like for the, for the Geekscapers, so that's why I have the, that's why they're, they're listening to this. Justice League and Punisher. They're going to get the Justice League special. Mm-hmm. They're going to get an actual, like, normal Geekscape from the Westwood One Studios. Okay. Normal, that's funny. Well, not a special. Right, I understand. You're not average. You're not the average Geekscape. I don't claim to. Not that the show has not fucking kicked ass recently. Thank you very much, Geekscape. As my guests have been fucking insanely awesome. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm very happy with the show. Uh, but you're also going to get the Punisher one. And I think the Punisher one's probably going to have to be that following weekend. I think it's going to be close to that Friday. Okay. Because you're not going to have time to watch this. Fuck no. Damn. I'm running... a. 31 miles the uh, day before. Let me just point out to you that that's the Friday after Thanksgiving. It's fine for me. What's Thanksgiving? I'm watching Punisher. Okay. I'm, I'm, let, I'm letting you know. This is I'm, where you put the I, guitar slide. So, so, so you're acknowledging you're going to get the Punisher. It's going to take, take you a week the, after it comes out. Uh, I, I teach that Tuesday. Okay. That Monday I've got Geekscape. That night before, that night of, I've got Justice League special with you. Okay. I teach all Tuesday. I teach Wednesday. Punish for Thanksgiving. And then we get together Thanksgiving weekend and we punish the Geekscapists. Okay. And then I bring you another fucking Geekscape the following Monday. I thought it was ridiculous that I'm close to do, having to do two Geekscapes in a week. That is a week where I'm going to have to do three. Yeah. You Geekscapists and your needs. I hope you're happy, Geekscapists. I hope you're happy with this Thor Ragnarok special. There really is not a lot of criticism. There's one more post-credit sequence. Yes. Jeff Goldblum. The Grandmaster falling out of the, the, his escape pod and being asked by the denizens if he is food. And then, of course... I'll tell you. My, uh, he's like, uh, uh, one your of rebellion buddies, went well. My, one of my <laughs> I caught a tie. One of my buddies in the movie actually turned to me and said, he thought, you know, watching the, the credits and wondering what it's going to be, and he thought, oh, wouldn't it be cool if it was Fenris on Sakaar? Mm-hmm. Who's the fuck's Fenris? The wolf. Fenris. No, who's... The giant wolf. That we just saw in... In Thor. Yeah, we just the, saw the, it. The, yeah, so if 
Fenris had fallen to Sakaar. Oh, I hear what you're saying. Because the last time we saw Fenris, he fell off the, the, yeah. the waterfall. Yeah. I didn't know the name of Fenris. I guess she did say it in the movie. Well, it's also a Norse mythology, but yes. Wow. Um, wait, how the hell did he get there? Well, that would have been... falls through the portal. Yeah, that, but, that might have been cool. But yeah. yeah. No, but, yeah, I, I mean, a grandmaster. Uh, I like the fact that the Grandmaster had to curry favor with these rebels who were going to eat him. <laughs> throw, a mag- throw a magnetic net on him. And he's like, let's call it, it's a tie. It's a tie yeah. Dude, Jeff Goble is amazing in this movie. Awesome. I would love to see this character more. Um, I'd love to see Benicio Del Toro back too. We only saw him in like yeah. a post-credit scene. Um, and obviously... Howard the Duck? Yeah, Howard the Duck. It feels like... Thor finally found his legs in this mm-hmm. movie. This is the well, franchise again, that... So, so it's an interesting thing. We made the Shazam comment earlier that we now have a Thor going to the Avengers that looks very different than Thor. Right. Lightning powers thrown around. No Mjolnir. No eye. You know, missing an eye. Yeah, but um, for the first two movies, he's just kind of held court. You know, yeah. I mean, the first movie really had to establish Thor, and I thought it was great because it, it gave us Hawkeye. It started to give us that bigger uh, that first Thor movie. I really like. The second movie felt like it was placeholder, uh-huh. which sucks because I love Alan Taylor, I love the characters, mm-hmm. I love Malekith, I love the fantastical elements to Thor that yeah. I felt could have been explored more. But this movie is where I feel Thor really got the personality. No, I loved it. We, and, and, we, and, we, and, he, this is the personality we've been waiting for him to have. Movie, I mean, I haven't heard any talk, but it's probably it. Yeah, that's what we're I saying. would think. You know, I, I thought it was great. Well, that, each one got better, and and each one's box you, office has improved. You thought Dark World was better than Thor one? No, um, yes, because Thor one, um, I feel, gets really bogged down in the middle when he doesn't have his powers. When he's eating breakfast. Yeah, it's very slow. Right. Um, I like the movie. I like yeah, it a lot. I think Dark, Dark World has a lot, it has that humor. You, Joss Whedon definitely punched that script up a lot. Yeah. You got the Chris you know, Evans the, cameos the, yeah, that are the, fun and stuff. There's a lot of fun in that movie. You know? Um, it, 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 yeah, I, I do. I, I think Dark World's a better movie than, than the first one was. Okay. It felt like it just held serve for me, but I hear you. This one, clearly... Brought its own fucking thing. Yeah. So fresh, so awesome, and I love the liberties that it was given because now we're like, it feels like it's really cooking with gas. Mm-hmm. Um, Ian, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks for talking Thor with me. Sure. Uh, we never hang out, but when we do, this is our, this is well, us hanging out. Yeah, you, you, you don't hang out. We don't hang. I don't. I don't hang out. I haven't been. It, come on, we ain't got time for that. We got podcasts this is, to make. This is what you do. Uh, so this is how Ian and I hang out. You all get to put your ear to it. And listen to it as a podcast. Um, next up, we got Justice League Geekscape. I'll be back in the studio with a brand new Geekscape coming up. Uh, if you need to find us, we're all over the internet. Just search for Geekscape. Ian is at Ian Kerner on Twitter or Ian L. Kerner on Twitter? Ian L. Kerner. Ian L. Kerner on Twitter. That was not bad. Ian L. Kerner on Twitter. And uh, you can also find him in the Geekscape Forever group on Facebook. Go join the Geekscape Forever group. That's where we have all the discussions, the post-movie discussions and stuff. And uh, Ian is a regular down there. So if you want to talk to Ian and test your own might against the encyclopedic knowledge uh, and DC appreciation of the, uh, Ian Kerner, then you know where to find him, Geekscape Forever. Uh, and I mean it when I say Geekscape Forever because I love doing this and I love talking to you folks. Uh, till next time, I'm going to go home. Hopefully play some Mario Galaxy, uh, Mario Odyssey before I go to sleep. Ian, thanks, dude. Sure.
next time. Bye, Geekscapists.